Turn with me to First Peter. Please, 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 please. We've been telling you all along now, these a few weeks we've been in Peter. This is our fourth message in this, uh, in this series of First Peter. And we've been telling you the very purpose of Peter writing these words. You see, Peter was watching a group of people who were persecuted in Rome and had to leave into the other parts of Rome or the empire of Rome, of Roman Empire. And, and they were now being persecuted no matter where they went. And Peter was trying to reach out to them and allow them to know that in the midst of their sacrifice, in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their persecution, that God has not given up on them. You know, sometimes we, in fact, uh, again, I was reminded by a dear woman that comes here, and, and uh, uh, it's kind of a longer story, but I'll just tell you the, the highlight of it is basically that God really taught her, has really taught her through these messages that, that He loves her and, and that the, the difficulties that she is going through has nothing to do with uh, if she's been disobedient or faithful enough and all of those things that we all go through difficulties. And she... Uh, just stopped me over breakfast and just, just again reminded me of how much the Lord God has spoken to her. And I want you to know that it isn't me. If you think it is, you're absolutely, utterly wrong. I pray with all of my heart that God would empty me of myself, that I would have nothing to do with any of this except I studied hard. I did study hard for this, but I want God to speak to you. And that's why I always pray that I would be moved aside. Always pray that. And I always pray that God would open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from His law. That's my purpose for you, and it's, it's what I want to, to leave unto this church as, as, long as, uh, as long as the Lord God will allow me to be a part of this. And so Peter is trying to teach us that this is not our home. As he said in verse 1 of First Peter chapter 1, we are aliens. That means that we are a part of the family of God and we have a place that we are going to go to that is set and secure. As he's going to teach us today, you'll see it's an amazing place in Scripture. And he has set this place up for us, but he has assured you. He has assured those people when he wrote this in Rome, no matter where they scattered to, he was assuring them that God had not given up on them. And so you might feel that he has. And I'm telling you here that this message that Peter wrote way back then is as current for you and me as today's newspaper. It talks about those of us who are going through any kind of trials, any kind of difficulties that we would not give up hope that the assurance of where we are, are going to spend our eternity is set, set in stone. Watch what Peter does. Last week, Peter began by telling us, in spite of the trials that you and I might be going through, we are to still give blessings to God. And he's going to teach us why. But look what he says. Remind yourself of verse 3. Verse 3 was a power-packed verse. We didn't, I mean, really, it, verse 3 is sufficient. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused you and me to be born again to a living hope. That living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the midst of our trials, you and I are to bless the Lord our God. We are to bless the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter reminds us in this book, 1 Peter, but we'll get to it later. But in the fourth chapter, 
the 12th and the 13th verses, he reminds us that it's not unusual that we would be going through difficulties. He says, Beloved, verse 12 of chapter 4 of 1 Peter, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. In other words, he's Peter saying we all have trials. We're all going to go through some difficulties. Don't be surprised when it hits you. But, he says, to the degree, verse 13, that you share in the sufferings in Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Peter tells us in, in, in chapter 4 that there is a wonderful spiritual heritage, an inheritance, that all believers receive from our Lord and Savior. And we will possess it from the moment we come to Christ through all, all, all of eternity. It never ends. And so you might think, what more do we need? We've been born again, verse 3, to a living hope, which we received from the resurrection of the dead, from Jesus Christ from the dead. And you might ask, and rightfully so, you might ask, what more can we ask of? It's like, you know, more, give me more, give me more, God. And Peter says, there is so much more. There's so much more that comes into our life. Peter has only scratched the surface in verse 3. Hold on and read with me, please. Verses 3, 4, and 5. Just verse 3 to kind of get, get it started. Now, as I've mentioned to you last week, verses 3 through verse 12 in the Greek is one long sentence. It's not broken up, but <clears throat> it's broken up in the English. And what we want to look at today is verses 3, 4, and 5. But hold on. Watch, watch the blessings that come our way that Peter wants to assure us of in verses 4 and 5. Let me read to you 3, three 4, and 5. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Father, I am, I am overwhelmed by what Peter has written, but Father, truly you have given Peter the words to write down. He is just by inspiration writing what you have told him to write. And Father, you you allow us to see just how very much you love us and how secure we are in our faith. And yes, true, we will go through trials. Everybody will on this earth. But Father, you remind us very clearly that we are aliens here at this place. This is just passing through time until we get to be with you forever and ever in heaven itself. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would move me aside. I pray that I will not hinder what you want to say to any single one of us, whether you want to comfort us or, or convict us or, or, or encourage us. Whatever it is, Father, that you desire to do, may I get out of the way so that you can do that to each person's heart here. And would you truly open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your your great Bible, the law, Father, that you have given to us. Bless us, please, Father. Thank you for every person here. I, I 
I thank you, Father, for them so much. I love them so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen. There is a key in this. The key is in verse 4. It's one word. It's inheritance. Everything stems from that. You, everything that spins out of verses 3, 4, and 5 stem from this one wonderful word called inheritance. Inheritance in the Greek is K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. It means to a possession. In other words, it is, it is wealth or possessions that are passed down from one generation to the next, from one family to the next family member. In, in the Old Testament, it was, a, it was an inheritance that was passed down from God to the tribes of Israel, to each tribe. There was only one tribe that was not given this inheritance, and that was the tribe of Levi. And why not Levi? Well, because God personally took care of Levi. Levi was chosen by God for holy sacrifice. They were kind of the spiritual people of the, the tribes. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, it says, They carried the Ark of the Covenant, the tribe of Levi did. In Joshua chapter 13, for instance, in verses 32 and 33, it says, Moses says, These are the territories which I appoint for you as an inheritance in the plains of Moab. But, verse 33, to the tribe of Levi, Moses did not give an inheritance. Why? Because Moses or Joshua says, The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance, as he has promised to them. Paul told you and me in the New Testament, the day of the church, the church age, we are his inheritance. We as believers, Israel received an earthly inheritance, but Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.18 that we receive a spiritual inheritance. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory? the glory of His inheritance to the saints. Our inheritance has been, been set in heaven itself. The inheritance that you and I have should mean everything to us because it is absolutely, utterly priceless. There's no way you can find anything to replace what God has given to you. As a matter of fact, Peter uses some monumental words to explain yours, yours and my inheritance. He says... Our inheritance is, verse 4, it's imperishable. He says in verse 4, it is undefiled. He also says it will not. No, he says it will never, ever fade away. I want to take a closer look at those three statements. Imperishable, Greek word, A-P-H-T-H-A-R-T-O-N. It refers to that which is not corruptible. It is, refers to anything that is not liable to death nor subject to st uh, destruction. Unlike the Israelites, they had an earthly inheritance. It came and it went because of their disobedience, because of their sin. Your, my spiritual inheritance is never subject to destruction because a believer's inheritance is stored away for us in heaven. It is a treasure kept by the power of God, and it will never, ever suffer corruption or loss. Secondly, it's undefiled. 
Undefiled is the Greek word A-M-I-A-N-T-O-N. It describes things that are, that are unstained or unpolluted. All earthly inheritances are at risk of being defiled. But yours and my spiritual inheritance, it's flawless. It's perfect because it is protected, as Peter wrote, by the power of God. Thirdly, no, let me first, let me first verify that. Colossians 1.12 tells us, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified us. Let me ask you a pop quiz. Don't answer out loud. You don't have to. Well, how has he qualified you? What, what makes you qualified? I'll let you think just a moment. See what you're, how you're moving along in our study. You have been qualified by Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection. He has, the moment you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, he qualifies you as a part of the family of God. So when Paul says, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Lastly, in the fourth verse, our inheritance will not fade away. The word not fade away is A-M-A-R-A-N-T-O-N. It was used in the secular Greek to describe a flower that did not wither and die. It suggests that you and I, believers in Christ, have an inheritance that will never lose its magnificence. It will always have its beauty. No decaying elements can affect the kingdom of God. Because none of the ravages of time, nor the evils of sin, can touch yours and my inheritance. It is timeless. It is sinless because it is in heaven. Peter and Paul both agree. Both agree to this statement that we are making right now. Peter says it this way. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Get to it eventually. He says, when the chief priest or the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. That's yours and mine in the future. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says it this way. We know that if the earthly tent which is our house, is torn down. In other words, this body that we now have is kind of just wearing away. Not usually who are younger. Hold on, you're having a great time. Enjoy it. But for those, when you sense that this, this earthly tent is being torn down, Paul says we have a building from God, a house that is not made with hands, a house that is eternal in the heavens. Look forward to it. I must admit to you, I look forward to it. So how secure are we? Verses 4 and 5 are so amazing to all believers because your inheritance is, as verse 4 tells us, reserved. It is reserved in heaven, note, for you, verse 4 tells us. And not only in verse 5 is it reserved for you, but it is also protected, note, by the power of God that comes through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. Having pledged that your and my spiritual inheritance is permanent, Peter tells us it's imperishable, it's undefiled, it will not fade away, 
But he adds to that security by declaring that your inheritance, our inheritance, is reserved. It is reserved in heaven for you. By the word of God, your eternity, our home in heaven is fixed. It's unalterable. It is reserved for you and you alone. That, that's a long word in the Greek. It's T-E-T-E-R-E-M-E-N-E-N. It means it is guarded. It means it is watched over for you. And how is it watched? Verse 5, by the power of God himself. He cares for you. Not only will your inheritance not change, no one will be able to steal it, ever take it away from you. That is the reality of what Jesus Christ was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, 20, and 21. Listen, you, the moment I start this, every single one of you, I believe, is going to remember this. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. No, he says, Moth and rust will destroy that, and thieves can break in and steal it. Rather, he says, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I love verse 21. I'm throwing it in just for a bonus. It says, for where your treasure is. No, excuse me. Yes, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a good check. Find out where is your treasure on this earth that you live. Are you, are you building everything up here for... Uh, for what you, you, you got for yourself or are you building a treasure that is in heaven? Where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be. It's a good place to check. Heaven is the most securest place on this universe. In the book of Revelation, John wrote these words. Revelation 21, verse 27. Listen to these words. John says, Nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination nor lying shall come into it, into heaven. He says, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in there? Is it? Have you come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior for the forgiveness of your sin? The moment you do that, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you are as secure as anyone could ever be in your faith. And why is this inheritance so secure? Because verse 5 tells you and me, God Almighty protects it. It is protected by the power of God. God's power is the ultimate power in this universe. Romans tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is no one. Jude, the 24th verse, says this, To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless and with great joy. You see, all de details of this amazing promise that is given to you, given to me, provides those of us who are struggling, suffering, going through any kind of difficulties, an undying hope of our future. It is secure. This is not our home. Never is meant to be. We are aliens passing through. And so God provides joy, endurance, hope in the midst of any trials or any persecution you, you and I might be going through. He wants to care for us. And I think you can see it, if you're in First Peter 1 and you look at verse 5, you can see that our, our inheritance, our, our security is, is beyond this time. Look at verse 5. We have a salvation that is ready, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Salvation, great word. Listen to it in the Greek. S-O-T-E-R-I-A-N. Greek. It means to rescue or to deliver. And it denotes the full and final and eternal security of a one who has trusted in Christ for their salvation. You notice, I want you to know something. The Bible speaks of three aspects of your salvation. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Three aspects of your salvation. Past, present, and future. All of them are secure. In the past, our salvation is justified by God. It's just as if we had never sinned. But it is there for you at the taking. It has been done already by our God. God had a plan for salvation from the very beginning. Way in the garden. He had the blood. Throughout the Old Testament, there was the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. In the New Testament, the Messiah came. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross, shed His blood for the forgiveness of sin once and for all. He has died for us. God has a plan for every single one of us. It's in the past. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it about the best. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is already available for you. Verse 10, For with the heart you believe. That results in righteousness. And with your mouth you confess. That results in salvation. That's in the past. In the present, we have another aspect of our salvation, and it is our sanctification. In other words, our being set apart. Because you and I are continually being delivered from any power of sin over us. One of my favorite verses, 1 John 1, 9. If, if you and I confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's right here, right now. If there's something that is kind of between you and God right now, you can deal with it right now in the present and you have it dealt with and you are as clean before God, as righteous as before God as you could ever be. That is the present aspect of salvation. You know, in, uh, in, in the Greek, I, I missed a verse, maybe up on the screen. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. God gives it to you as a gift. The Greek concerning salvation says it this way, You are having been saved. Salvation thus is a past occurrence as we just learned. God has already taken care of it, but it it is with the continuing results of the present right now. You can experience it right now, being sanctified, setting yourself apart, dealing with any sin that's in your heart, dealing with it, confessing it, asking God to forgive you. And at this moment, you are presently really just as right with God as you could ever possibly be. Third part, future aspect, tells us that we will forever and ever be glorified. Whenever a believer dies, God completely and finally delivers them from this body of sin to be forever glorified. One of my favorite, favorite verses. Just listen to it. Just just soak it in like a sponge. 
It's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. It says, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation. Note, without reference to sin. He will appear to you without reference to sin. Reason being, He's already forgiven you. He's already taken your sin and separated it from you as far as the east is from the west, and He will remember it no more. And so it says that when He comes back the second time, He comes back for a salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await Him. And I love that. I just love that verse. I love the fact that our Lord God is not going to lord all of my past stuff over me. He is going to come and accept me without reference to my sin. Paul said to Timothy, one of the greatest verses in Scripture, 2 Timothy 4.18. It was his personal, um, I would say like testimony, but personal statement of the certainty of his future. But the beauty of what, what is written in 2 Timothy 4.18 isn't just for Paul. It's for all of us who have trusted in Christ. Listen to what Paul writes. He says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. The Lord will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him, Paul wrote, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You get it? He will rescue you and me from every single evil deed that we have ever done or even thought of doing and he will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom that's his job it's not ours he cares for you he loves you so so much the future aspect of salvation is said to be verse 5 ready no verse it's ready that that means is complete and already waiting for you you don't have to store up enough good things so that it is there waiting for you it is not only waiting for you, it is ready for you. It is connected with the end of history. Peter says it is ready and it will be revealed in the last time. That is, at the return of Jesus Christ. In Matthew, it says, When the King, when Jesus will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom that is prepared from you, for you from the foundation of this world. How great is that? How great. When Peter is talking about our inheritance, he's talking about so much more. He's telling you and me through Scripture that we are heirs. Heirs with God, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, what do we know about Jesus Christ? Well, we know this. When He comes back the second time, everything says, the Father says, all will be given to My Son. Everything. He is in charge of everything. And we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Listen. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, or since we are children of God, we are heirs. Heirs also of God and fellow heirs of Jesus Christ. Look, you and I possess some benefits here on this earth, in this life in which we live. We get some great things given to us by God. But the great fullness of yours 
And yours and my redemption is yet to come. You can count on it. You can count on it. God has promised unfathomable glories and riches and and eternal perfection in heaven that lie ahead for you of a place that is ready for you when you get there. You can count on it. Count on it. He is the source of your inheritance. Your inheritance. Every single one of us. My inheritance. He gave it to you when you trusted in Jesus Christ, His Son, for the forgiveness of your sin. And because of His great mercy, He gave you what is called in here a new birth. A new birth. Born again of God. And that birth remains perfect and eternally secure for certain. The reality is all believers can fix their hope on this. Your inheritance is secure. I promise you, by the Word of God, you can count on it. He loves you that much. So when and if you go through any difficulties, know that God is there for you. He's not given up on you. Not at all. He loves you with all of His heart. Feel secure in that. Maybe I pound this home a little bit hard because the first part of my salvation, first first part of me coming to Christ was hard. Hard for me to believe that God loved me. It was hard for me to believe that He forgave me of everything. That was my bugaboo. I always felt like I had to do more to make Him happy with me. It was a great day when I learned there was nothing I could do. He loved me no matter. It really freed me up to love Him back with all my heart. Now today is uh, August the 10th, isn't it? I know the year. It's 214. <laughs> That's good enough. It's August the 10th. It's 12.08 in the afternoon now. I uh, know almost every face here. I love you guys more than you'll ever, ever dream. Some of you, I'm not sure if you've ever come to Christ. It's not my business whether you have or have not. It's my business to try to tell you about salvation in such a way that, that you will trust what the Bible says about itself, not what I say about it. And that you will trust in a Savior that wants to forgive you of your sin. Now, I can't imagine someone not knowing Jesus Christ, hearing that all of your sins and this place in heaven is reserved for you, it's undefiled, it's, it's what else did I say, it's, it won't fade away, and it's, um, what's one? Unperishable, right? <laughs> I only preach it, I don't know it. No, that's not true. I'm sorry about that, it's a bad joke. At a bad time. Um, I can't even imagine that you would push that aside. I would give you an opportunity to come to Christ. Not me. Come to be with, walk with your Savior. August the 10th, year 2014. 12, about 10 in the morning or afternoon. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. We're going to have some people come up forward and pray to our prayer team. Would they come up now, please, both sides? And after I through finish praying, um, if you want to uh, come forward and talk to them, they will keep everything you tell them private. Uh, they will pray with you. Maybe you have a, a loved one that you um, 
that you would want to have prayed for or someone that you know that we can pray for. In the first service, there were two, two guys that I just love with all of my heart. Neil and, and Denny were here in the first service, Mick. And, uh, and, and both of them, Neil, we, I understand, almost lost him. And then his heart had trouble and they had a code blue, I guess, in a hospital. That's pretty serious. It's like all hands on deck. And they uh, helped him and rushed him through. And here he was in church this morning. And then Denny, who also had some problems. And I was just worried that we might lose these two guys. And I just didn't want that to happen. And here they were in church. And so God so answers prayer. And uh, so if you want to be prayed for or anything, please come forward and they will keep everything private. I, I, I hope and pray anyways. Father in heaven, what a joy to be able to talk about you and, and, and come to church on a beautiful, beautiful, sunny Southern California day. And yet, Father, just learn about how much you love us. And all of this is going to pass away in due time. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Father, we will be able to live there with you forever and ever. Can, can't even imagine, Father, the joy and the glory of all of that. So bless this day. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for the young people that come and listen. Lord, bless them, I pray. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.